to Canadians with Disabilities and their Allies. My name is Brent Frain. I'm the host. And today we have our roundtable number five. Please subscribe uh, to Neil Matheson's YouTube channel and stay up to date on your favorite podcast, where you find it on Spotify or any of your favorite apps uh, where you find it uh, convenient to you. Today, I have a wide range of guests uh, that uh, are on our panel here that are, we have every Monday. Uh, for our roundtable affordability uh, discussions. Uh, we have another roundtable that I've uh, proposed out also about government accountability. I'm working on some other roundtables that uh, over time that we uh, will be launching. Uh, is it transit, about housing, you name it. But today, uh, this is our roundtable we have every Monday. So join us um, for our show uh, on Mondays. And if you're watching live, spread the word right now to your friends and family caregivers whoever and, it may be and, and there oh. i i saw that your pink unicorn it, it just magically appeared <laughs> oh, that, right? oh isn't that funny how it just it just pops up right a pink unicorn yeah so so welcome everyone uh welcome to uh welcome to the show and uh to all my uh participants today uh it's always a great pleasure having you all join us on on our great discussions of uh, affordability and um, we also have a uh, video that we're going to be uh, broadcasting on here. Um, hopefully there's no technicalities. Uh, and it's um, from Senator Kim Pate. And it's uh, evolving around the guaranteed livable basic income. Uh, now, MJ, I think you're, you're queued up to put that on. Well, I'm going to see if I can not, change the view. Not, uh, to... not just yet. I'm, not yet? You know... Okay. Just yeah, let me, I, let me know I just want right. to make sure that I've got the right interview and the timing right. Okay. In the meantime, I just want to uh, go around and I just, uh, everyone that's on today, uh, Jennifer is joining us in today too. Uh, hello, Jennifer. She's muted right now. Oh, she's she's been she, she's been popping in and out. I don't know if she's had oh. uh, technical issues or not. Issues or not. Hi. Um, technical issues with connection. Oh, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you very oh. much. Um, um, thank you for inviting me. It's always nice to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. I think you'll find it uh, really informative uh, of our discussions that we have. And, you know, as long as uh, you're able to, to join us today, uh, uh, I know that you might be able to stay for the whole segment or maybe an hour or stay as long as you need to. Um, you'll find it very informative, and you know, definitely jump into the discussion as you uh, as you feel you. Thing in progress. Yeah, it keeps on um, kicking me out for some reason. Oh, oh. 
I promise yeah. it's not me. It wasn't me. It was the pink <laughs> unicorn here. It's the pink unicorn. He has magic. His he, he, magic yeah. wand. Yeah. I don't know, but um, it is sure. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It kicked me up two or three times already. So. Hmm. I don't know what that is. No. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's Elon's fault, Jennifer. It's Elon's fault. Um, I know, but we're on. Um, we're on Zoom, so that's got nothing to do with Elon, right? No. <laughs> he has his he has his magic people that that make their way in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what, the discussion here today is about uh, is about poverty, or is it to be specifically about the UBC? Um, it's um, it's all about uh, poverty, uh, about poverty rates. It's about um, income inequality. So it's kind of intertwined with poverty, lifting people um, way above the, the poverty level, um, like a uh, livable income, uh, shall we say. Uh, there's different oh, progress. On, on, yes, it's on different viewpoints on how to get to that level. Um, I mean, MJ has some great ideas too on that. Uh, Joseph, everybody does. Um, and it's about accountability. It's about holding, holding governments to account uh, for all the inequalities uh, just providing people with the uh, with the standard of, of income that they need. Uh, so yeah, I mean, lifting people out of poverty for sure. I, I find it very fascinating how governments always say, "Well, we're lifting people out of poverty. We're giving child tax credits. We're giving GST. We're giving one lump sum payments uh, quarterly." Uh, well, <laughs> in progress. Yeah. So, were we going to cover um, government accountability or? Yeah, we we can um, we we can actually go into that. Or uh, or, or is that is that going to be a separate roundtable? That will be a separate um, okay. panel that we will be creating, but we can definitely touch on that. And then I I, I put that in the description, yeah. so I'll have to edit it later. But well, no, thought, no, no, it's yeah. all good. Yeah, you know, it's okay. great because I think we should cover that. And then what we'll do is we're going to make a roundtable. So anyone who wants to join on on that roundtable also on a different day. Um, definitely, um, yeah, spread the word, um, because I think that it's important to cover that topic too. Um, and yeah, so the different topics and gets people more grouped together and discussing the issues and approaches on how to, um, hold government to account mm -hmm. So we'll, um, I guess, so should we, what do you think, Neil? Do I think we should start with that topic first? Uh, well, we could do uh, I've got everybody pinned now, but I could unpin them and have uh, have MJ pinned full screen. If you want to do that first, do you, do you sure. want to do, do that now? Yeah. Um, okay. Except or... for one problem here is screen sharing is still disabled. Oh, so I'm I'm I have I have to be the one that uh, enables it, right? Yeah. Uh, Come on. How do I do? It no. should be under security. Settings. Under security. Yeah. Okay. Security. Yeah. Oh, there's share screen. I've enabled it now. It should be showing as enabled. Um. So we yeah, Maybe what I'll do is I'll unpin everyone. One second. Remove pin. Okay. Pin. Yeah, having the uh, having these discussions um, definitely are. I mean, it's it's so important to have uh, different viewpoints on um, affordability, but also accountability, um, and that's something that we're going to uh, 
We're just going to just briefly dive into and we'll expand on that more on a different roundtable. Um, but today's session will be about the um, affordability, definitely, and poverty. Okay, so I have uh, MJ full screen now. So okay. I think the share screen will bring up a separate screen, so you don't want to have me uh, pin. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Screen. Yes. Oh, Zoom oh. is different than other uh, yeah. things where it replaces it. Okay. So I'm just going to go and share the screen. One second. Okay. Nation to nation, I'm an. Here we go. Okay, so everyone, so here's uh, here's the interview that Kim Pate had with a. Uh, um, a reporter and it's um, re regarding the uh, guaranteed livable basic income uh, just recent uh, interview that uh, Senator Kim Pate uh, had and so uh, here here we go um, and listen in and if you're viewing live today uh, definitely send in your comments under the comment section um, and if you're listening uh, definitely reach out to uh, uh, reach out to Neil um, and if you want to join in on the show and be part of our panel on uh, well, affordability, um, or you want to join in about the government accountability, we're going to do sessions on transit, uh, housing, uh, housing affordability, whole bunch of topics. So here we go. Thanks, MJ. Francis, no one would argue we're in hard times when it comes to finances. It's tough to budget with the cost of keeping a roof over your head, food in your belly, and bills to pay. That's why Senator Kim Pate sponsored Bill S-233, which proposes the development of a national framework for guaranteed livable basic income. It's currently being studied by the Senate Finance Committee. If passed, it would require Canada's finance minister to develop a national framework for implementing a guaranteed livable basic income program. Senator Kim Pate joins us now. Welcome, Senator. Thank you. It's wonderful to join you from here on the shores of the Kitchissippi in the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe. What exactly is a guaranteed livable income and how is it different from welfare? So one of the big reasons that I introduced a bill to talk about this is to say we should have the discussion about what kind of model we should look at. So first of all, that's what the bill does. It doesn't actually say we'll have a guaranteed livable income, even though personally I would like to start there. Uh, but what we're talking about is basically an income that goes out to folks when they need it, whether it's because they're sick, because they can't work because uh, they're wanting to train to get a better job or to go to school, um, and that it, it is, doesn't have the same moralistic approach that social assistance does right now or welfare, where you know you have to prove that you're entitled to it, you have to you know prove that you deserve it, you have to test every um, piece. It's basically saying that if you're under a certain income, uh, then you should be entitled to have these resources. We know that everywhere that it has been tried, it has both saved money and allowed people to rebound out of poverty. And, and so we're also talking about livable. So when I say guaranteed livable, I mean not what social assistance is right now, because in every province and territory in this country, the amount of money provided on social assistance is not livable. You can't survive on it. And so it makes everybody what I call infinitely criminalizable, that people are doing things that if they were monitored, if they were followed, if they were prosecuted, could end up criminalized for, and that's wrong. That's really, uh, um, you know, shows the stigma and the attitudes the uh, that basically are about being against poor people. And what we know in 
from Dr. Zhao, who testified at the Senate committee about uh, Bill uh, S-233, is that when you actually provide money to people who are living in poverty, guess what? They spend it in their communities. They pay rent, they buy food, they clothe themselves, they maybe get stuff for their kids. Uh, but, you know, contrary to the myths and the stereotypes that are out there predominantly, you know, held by people with money, quite frankly, who have never been, you know, in a situation where they're poor or struggling to make ends meet, is that somehow if you get money to poor people, that they'll waste it. And what her research shows that, in fact, when you provide more resources, enough for people to live on, two main things happen. People get housed, they, they feed, get fed, and they get out of poverty faster, they get out of homelessness faster, and they're less likely to spend money on things like drugs and alcohol. How much would a program like this cost? All right, so um, it depends on the model, and the parliamentary budget officer also testified and said that the net cost, so after taking into account the savings for other um, services, and this is not including long-term, would probably cost about $3 billion. The overall price tag is closer to 70 or $75 billion, uh, but when you take into account, you know, things like what is spent now on social assistance, what is spent on some of the other um, types of approaches that could be looked at, um, then you could actually reduce the cost. And then what the parliamentary budget officer also said is what they didn't do is look at the long-term cost savings that undoubtedly there would be. We saw in the Mincom project in Manitoba that there were cost savings in terms of the criminal system, the prison system, the healthcare system, because people were eating better, they were had, you know, they had a standard of living that was better, they were less likely to get sick, and they were less likely to use emergency rooms. And so um, we know that. Uh, down the line, this this type of approach not just makes sense in terms of being better for people, taking care of people better, but makes fiscal sense. It's financially more viable and actually put, leaves people in a better place than our current systems and costs less. But that same program uh, that was in that was in uh, Dolphin, Manitoba, in the seventies, it was scrapped in seventy nine, largely due to economic turmoil. That meant more families needed it. The, how does something like that not happening again on a larger scale, where it's discontinued all of a sudden? Well, that's one of the reasons that many of the advocates that we've consulted with have suggested that we um, roll out some initiatives in a few places in this country, not just one. And that much like Medicare, the way Medicare started, where first Saskatchewan started doing it, and once people started to see the benefits, um, even though, yes, there were costs to it, the longer-term benefits people signed on to, and nobody wanted to cut it once they started to see the benefits. In this case, that when you start with a small group and only do it incrementally, uh, which is what we've already done really in Canada with the Canada Child Benefit, with a guaranteed income supplement for seniors, and now we're going to have a disability benefit. And the obvious question is, why are we still leaving some people out? We're, and, you know, the BC um, group that looked at this, as well as in Quebec, they said, let's start and let's essentially do it incrementally. Let's target certain groups. And that has a certain appeal until you realize, okay, who does that leave out? Well, guess what? It leaves out a lot of Indigenous people. It leaves out a lot of people who are struggling right now on social assistance. 
changing topics, you also sit on the Senate committee looking closely at the bail reform bill. Indigenous lawyer Krista Bigcanoe testified before that committee last night or last month. She said the bill, what the bill does, is it will result in more Indigenous women behind bars. How has the Senate responded to that criticism? Well, you know, uh, as you may know, I was, aside from the government leader and the critic on the bill, the conservative critic, I was the only other person who spoke in the Senate at second reading on the bill and encouraged us not to pass it. I'm not going to vote in favour of the bill. Um, in fact, I'm just headed right after this back into legal committee. And last night, it, it passed clause by clause, so that means it's going to go back to the Senate for third reading. But we included amendments to try and reverse some of the most egregious um, parts of the bill. Uh, my personal view is it still shouldn't pass. It shouldn't see the light of day. Uh, that yes, Krista uh, Big Canoe is and many other witnesses are absolutely right that we know uh, that this will likely result in not not the people who committed the horrible offenses that that actually generated this bill that gave rise to the premier's writing to then Minister of Justice Lametti and asking for it. Uh, but instead, it will result in many, many more people being ensnared in the system and make it harder for them to get out on bail, harder for them to, and, and, and therefore also more likely to end up in prison because once you're in there and that, it's often a fast track in. And, and yet we know that the majority of those folks and somewhere in the neighborhood of, I would think, 40, 49 to 50% may not even be found guilty. But when we're talking about Indigenous people and Indigenous women in particular, we know they're also more likely to plead guilty because if they get held in on bail and the, there's a potential for them to lose their kids, to lose their housing, if and potentially lose jobs, lose basically everything, uh, then oftentimes they're encouraged to plead guilty to get it over with. Miigwech for that. Thank you, Senator Pate. Thank you to you too, and thanks for all your work at KPTN, all of you. Great. Well, that was um, that was definitely a fantastic uh, video. Um, um, yeah. Oops. Brian, wow. Uh, can I bring up one point that the the Senate meeting that they missed? Um, in all of this GLBI talk and all of the reports that are going to come out in mm -hmm. um, what is now eight days away um, is when it's due to be filed with the clerk. I'm not sure when they're going to release it, but it has to be with the clerk in eight days. Um, is that nobody mentioned scenario two and three, even mm -hmm. though, uh, you know, um, you know, Alan and, you know, Greg and, and everybody who has fought so hard uh, for GLBI. Um, it looks to me like they may silence the scenario two and three again, like they did the last time, where they left it out conveniently because it was not specifically requested. And we need to remember and keep in mind when we listen to this that they may only be talking about the fifty percent scenario where can, can you go can you go back over and just give us a give us the Coles notes version of of all three scenarios? <clears throat> the Coles notes version is GLBI is on the premise that you won't 
get to keep all the money all the time. It's not universal. It's not, you know, you're going to get $500 a month, no matter how much you make. It, it's based on your income. So the uh, Coles notes version is scenario one is, okay, you're going to make, um, you know, your money, but we're going to take away 50% of what you make and put it against the GLBI until the GLBI phases out. So for example, you make a thousand dollars, they're going to take $500 from that GLBI away. Mm -hmm. Scenario two is 25%. So it's half as strong, right? It leaves half as much more money in your pocket each month, which can have more people involved in the program. It, it, it helps not only the lower income, but also more people who make more money. So it helps more the community. And then scenario three is the largest where uh, it's 15%. So one for every $8 that you make comes mm. off, mm. right? Oh, okay. uh, so that one really makes a difference, right? That one is like, I'm sorry, not eight, $6.66. One for every $6.66 that you make. Um, so it really uh, it embraces over 20 million Canadians. And that's like Senator Pate said in that video. It does not include the the um, the indigenous populations that we need to include now. It doesn't include the seventeen year olds. They have to give more information on, you know, um, how people's income has changed and how better off it would be. But are they going to look at scenario one, two, and three? Are they going to look at is the people getting it in the middle class going to benefit them if we do a bigger basic income? Mm -hmm. that's the number think, one thing that they I need to look at I think one of the things we need to look at is uh, compared to 10 years ago uh, is that the gig economy has become the norm and the standard hey you can work for 5 years 6 years, 7 years at one place it has become the, the unicorn in employment so when we think of when we think of a base income, whatever it is, whether it's universal, whether it's G LBI, is 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 a question of when, not if, even more so than it was five years ago. And that's just my opinion. But I look at I've seen a shift. When not if I have seen a shift. So I have a question: Is how much is it? You know, for the GLBI, what's the number amount going to be? Okay, so right she's now, talking at, right now, if you use the same formula as Ontario did, but you update it to today's low income measure, yeah, the light coke, it would be twenty one thousand nine hundred and five for a single adult. Um, it would be just under twenty nine thousand for a family. Um, and then if you're disabled, you add an extra $6,000 a year that cannot be reduced by your work income. Okay, so we're looking so if, if you're, you're both if disabled, you're a single guy. So that still requires disabled, administration. So that still requires a bit of administration to go and manage all of that. Not really. I mean, you can do it in your income taxes. It's set for the whole year. So the okay. administration cost is literally three minutes of a CRA agent going, yep, there's your income. Yep, verified. There's your GLBI. Okay. Yeah. So if it's good for a whole year, 
situations over the year can change, right? Yeah. And this is right. So this is where it can create a level of inconsistency as well, because if it's calculated well, based on your whole year's taxes, then if, for example, if you have an up year, then all of a sudden you end up in yes, an accident. There is a say, downside to increased income because what happens is, is but there's also a fail safe. It's also acts as a fail safe. So for example, you work for a living and then you get laid off and you go and you apply for EI and you get your EI, but you also collect your GLBI. Then all of a sudden the next year you have way more taxable income and your GLBI is reduced. Offsetting and making sure that you don't abuse the situation, but also at the same time, ensuring that your income stays at a minimum standard. Now, are, we talking, are we talking a monthly uh, in monthly increments, are we talking on any? I believe that they should be given four options. They should be given monthly, yearly, uh, bank it, or uh, I don't want it. I refuse it. And if they refuse it, then automatically that money goes towards the national debt. See, That's, and this is where I go with the take it or leave it option as well. It's like you can choose to take it, choose not to take it. It's up to you. Right, but I believe in a banking option, though, NJ, because that way, young Canadians that are, you know, seventeen, eighteen, they don't want to take that money out because they've already got a job because mom and dad found them one, or they they got through one through co-op at school or through their education, and they got a job already. They can bank that GLBI with interest, <laughs> so that way later on they can actually withdraw it, guaranteed by the government when they need it. Whether they lose right. their job or whether right. they need a house investment or they have a health care situation or whatever, they can withdraw later. On. And because GLBI <laughs> is tax-free, those big withdrawals later are better than a tax-free savings account you've contributed for four years straight. Well, here, let, me, let me bounce an idea off you. <clears throat> now, I'm using this based on my dad when he took the year off where we went sailing. He had a salary of, let's say it was 80000 he took three quarters of his salary for the year before the sailing trip. Um, he banked quarter of it. So instead of making 80 that year, let's say he made 45 that year. But because my mom took, so we have 40 a year, 40, call it 50,000 a year plus whatever savings they put aside. Right. It would be interesting to see if someone said, well, I don't need say twenty five hundred a month. I, I would like to bank five hundred a month of it so that I can get a tiny home or or, or buy a house. Yeah, and, so and get a bag of percentage. See, for example, like I've done the math here, and at five hundred dollars a month over eighteen years, that's ninety six thousand dollars, right? Mm -hmm. That gets you tiny home. <laughs> Just well, saying. Well, not, <laughs> meanwhile, a GLBI at, at twenty one thousand nine hundred and five times forty nine years. What is that? Well, no, this is like being able to bank, right? It if you were just banking five hundred dollars a month, you would be banking, you know, that money away for the future. So if you say you you're going to keep the GLBI, you're going to get it for your kid, right? Because the kids, you know, we're obviously going to be rolling in all the child benefits into this too, right? So. Mm -hmm and probably student loans and all the rest of this stuff because they're going to be downsizing all the administration. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at this when they decide. No, no, they... no. <laughs> GLBI does not touch EI. It doesn't touch CPP. It doesn't touch 
uh, it doesn't touch, uh, you know, uh, any of the major programs like CPP, EI, OAS, TIS, all that. It, it's not meant to replace okay. those or, or oh, stop but, them. So it's a separate Canada Child Benefit is completely separate. Okay. The, the GLBI okay. starts at 17 to 64. And then because CPP is so huge, like you see it in the news, Alberta wants to take half of it at like nearly half a trillion dollars. Uh, CPP is so large, you don't want to tear it down. You don't want. Now, do we want to supplement on top of it? Sure, because the math back in the 60s was well, one job for a person. Now you have five, six, 10, 20 different employers contributing over the year when you're in a gig economy. And it's all messed up. It really is. You don't have control of your CPP. It's not like you can log in online and go, okay, I haven't contributed enough to my CPP this year. Here, I want to add more. You don't get to do that. Well, you can actually and, contrib manually contribute, right? You can manually contribute if you want to, you know, if you're self-employed. But you have to manually contribute as your own employer, which means you need to pay yourself a wage and prove it and get paid stops and this and that. And then why? Why right. can't you just log in and go, I want to contribute more to my CPP? Yeah, See, I got a problem. question. Sith's a problem I have a with question. it all. Yeah, yeah go, go ahead, Alan. Um, we mentioned that this GLIB basic income would also have a disability uh, increment to it or component to it. So my question is, why are they just not taking the disability benefit that it's taking apparently 18 months? If this Three thing years. passes before that passes... I'm wondering if that was the plan all along. Like, I, I don't know. I'm going off of the formulas from 2018, remember? Okay. Uh, okay. So when GLBI did the reports and all that, this is based on the program that was in 2018 in Ontario, but on a federal scale. So when I say there's a disability portion to this, there may not be later on. They may say, well, the Canada Disability Benefit is now just going to be an add-on to GLBI. Right, right. right. It might be like a top-up like top to the GLBI. Um, okay, so more administration. Uh, for okay. all we know, right now, this discussion that we're having yeah. and the ones that are the senator having and everybody else is having, what may happen is GLBI may actually come into force at the same time as CDB. Uh, right. They may they may end up you know coming back with these PBO reports. Maybe they do scenario two and three and go, whoa, that's way better. Now they're going to get ten thousand dollars a year more. Blah blah blah. Okay, let's do it. And then they decide, oh well, the candidate disability benefits already lost. Let's just attach this as a supplementary benefit on top of the GLBI, or maybe the GLBI well, is the supplementary on top of the the CDB. We just don't know yet. Yeah, but I, well, we're I, glad I, that they're investigating the cost. Dan's take on uh, on how the GLBI would uh, how it impact people's lives in different ways and you know and yeah just just his quick take on that Dan that'll be real quick because it's going to be noisy here so I like the I hate to be a Debbie Downer but the only numbers I heard were 1969 and 1979 right so when the hell is this even coming uh, like you just said the CDB is the, what it's been uh, 18 19 months now. Um, yeah. The last time we had a, a GLBI was, uh, what did you say, 1979, except for the thing in Ontario? Mean, so yeah, I, I mean, think it's got to come, what it's got to come down to now is like um, all, all these uh, shows that you guys do in the pods, it's great because it gets everybody together from a diverse uh, uh, perspective of the society to get it done. 
But when push comes to shove, we just gotta like uh, we gotta figure out how to get to that asshole right there in my background, and 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 just feed it to them because if we keep going in circles and everybody's got different ideas, it's never gonna get done. And the other part that bothers me, because as some of you know, uh, my expertise, so to speak, are from um, the municipal and, and provincial level. Um, I, I just lost my fucking train of thought there. My bad. Swear jar time. Um, <laughs> why is this? It, uh, forgive me if I'm incorrect and somebody can correct me, but isn't the Senate the non, uh, non-elected body in the parliament? Yeah. So what yes. the hell are yeah. we doing? Like... Okay. How are those people going to solve our problems? So if somebody okay. can explain that. Can I explain? Everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah cool. If somebody can explain that to everybody, these messages I'm getting about, oh, it's never going to fucking happen. Stop the negativity. Listen to MJ exactly. here. What he's about to express to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Thanks, Senate. Oh, we'll come back to you in a little bit. The Senate and the House are equal branches in our system, right? They can both equally create legislation. That has to go to the other house. However, money bills have to originate in the House of Commons. So yeah. while the Senate can create this program, it would have to be funded through the House of Commons. Now, it also has to be passed through the House of Commons when, when it originates from the Senate and vice versa back from the House. So mm-hmm. what has to happen is both parties have to agree. Then it has to get funded and budget approval and so on and so forth. Now, that's where in our system, then it goes to the Royal Assent, which to the Governor General gets approved, becomes law, then it gets enacted, which however that is designed to be enacted from there. You know, so to me, they just keep making the I don't know, they just make this too complex, right? They're making this they're making entire, this process, entire process, process too complex. You guys Doctor, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Hi, go um, yeah, like you guys are about like just get right at it. Um, I've said this before at meetings. I have personally talked to one of the senators, uh, Mary Jane McClellan, who I've done uh, the big walk for the search the landfill down Portage Avenue, and I spent a majority of time chatting with her about Bill C twenty two and its enactment. She has said to me that she knew that she could do something when Quantro was in in um, office that she could try and pressure. However, this new um, minister that has been put in place mm. seems to be doing the cat and mouse kind of uh, game with not being um, for the people. Mm. Uh, as we all know that she voted uh, in favor of made for people. Yeah, with- yeah and- I saw that. That, that hits close to home um, the person who's now going to be celebrating 18 months of sobriety um, it's troublesome to me because indigenous people are vulnerable to addictions vulnerable to mental illness because of residential school 60 scoop and day school that to me it's an elimination and I have a really hard time politically trusting any minister who is voting to kill her people so I've been quite vocal about that. The, um, Amen to that. The yeah. um, that I had with Leah, uh, uh, I would say proud uh, Gazan, was excellent 
um, prior to this um, meeting I had probably in um, September. And Leah had said to me that the UBC is a private member's bill. It has very small teeth. Overall, from her experience, that there are a few people, and I believe, I guess, Kim Pate is one of them, that is interested in UBC. But she said, overall, she told me for us to put our energy in getting DERB. Now that we have this new minister, I honestly would throw my hands up in the air now with this new maid voting. I honestly don't know what to do. Um, yeah. I'm really frustrated. I've spoken with my MP, which is Dan Vandell. Dan Vandell has been vocal and he has been advocating for disabled people. Um, it's basically a bigger entity than what we're capable of, unless we told, I was told by Mary Jane, we need to unite. The division in the disabled community needs to cease and we need to unite as one. So we need to get over our indifferences and our egos and come together. That's the only way we can actually make a proper change. So I don't know if that's even possible with the stuff that's gone on in the past. I'm a forgiving person and I can let go of shit, but not everybody is like me. So moving forward, I don't want to myself personally put a lot of time and energy into something that I've been told by an MP that doesn't have much bite. And speaking with that senator, I mean, I know that Mary Jane has put up the good fight for us with Bill C-22. And I've been pressuring her with DERP. So I have done everything that I can personally do myself. Um, I think these Zooms are productive and I appreciate you guys um, reviewing stuff. But we just have to look at facts and actions. If these people who are in power wanted to give us DERP, they would. Mm -hmm. They're not. Yeah. Now, UBC, if they wanted to give it to us, they would. They're not. So I'm not gonna sh I'm not gonna I'm gonna sound really mean and harsh. I'm not they're, gonna they're giving us made. Yeah. Well, <laughs> absolutely. So this is part of the problem, is this is a complete discrimination on um disabled people and people with addictions and mental illness. So what, what Gail Nestle is doing is she's she's actually talking to some lawyers. So I don't know honestly if the best thing for us to do is try and unify with people with disabilities and just do a federal class action suit um, via the decisions with made and other things that they've breached with policy because they have breached with Bill C-22. Quantro breached at least three or four things during the duration of the bill. I am not sure, but all I know is we need to get all on the same page or nothing is gonna work. So that's what I'm putting out into the universe. And if you guys are in agreement with that, then we have to move past the past and move forward. So, yeah. so but thank you, Jennifer. On, on that, um, that's um, a round table that I'm going to be um, implementing in. If you want to be um, part of that round table, um, uh, anyone else on this on this round table right now wants to be on that round table. Like we're going to continue this round table of affordability. Right. But there's going to be another round table called government accountability. Right. So, I mean, it's almost the same but not quite it's more about action plans it's about how to hold government to account um so jennifer if you would like to be on that round table um uh, not sure what day we'll hold that on maybe neil we, we could probably discuss that round tables this round table is on mondays we could theoretically do that other one on uh on tuesdays 
uh, if we're all in agreement, um, I mean, going forward, uh, whatever day works good and we can put it in. Well, it's not Wednesday. And then Neil says Wednesdays are out. So it would have to be Tuesday, there's, Thursday or Friday. Wacky Wednesday. There's, there's some... Uh... There's some chat going on uh, oh. or discussion going on in the chat, and actually, Joseph okay. is in, is involved in the chat. Oh, one of one of the one of the questions yeah. was uh, there's been studies, and none of the studies have involved uh, people with uh, addictions, and and it's I wonder why, and that's from Rose Pony. Oh, um, and uh, Joseph as well as. Uh, been involved in the in the conversation and he's uh, putting up a good argument as well but one of the things I wanted to mention as well as it, it wasn't that long ago uh, I, I was hearing that the um, you know they're saying that there's a real flaw with uh, with social assistance that it's all just one one lump sum there's one one payment at one payment per month and right. that's it. And you have to make do. And it kind of, uh, you know, you're talking about addictions here in chat. It kind of leaves people open to that. You know, the people that are addicted, uh, you know, can kind of just blow the money, so to speak. Whereas that, whereas uh, it's been proven if you, if you instead have to, like uh, a biweekly thing where it's like two payments in a month. Uh, you you get less abuse uh, that way. Um, there was a discussion that was done in BC on that one, Neil. I think um, one of the that's former. How Sir, was, uh, that's how Serb went, right? Uh, Every two weeks. Um, I know that uh, there was a, a um, there was a little bit of research done on that uh, when our former minister uh, Simpson, Mister Simpson, um, had looked into that. Um, but the the problem is, uh, I think a they decided not the government decided not to go with that. I mean, it's a great idea, but what they would need to do is to increase uh, the amount of, to a livable income amount, so that they could divide it into like say two weeks, two weeks, so that if a person has enough for their their accommodation and they have enough for their their uh, their food, their bills, uh, and then maybe other um, you know their disability related um, services that they need if it's diabetes so whatever medications they need that are covered under medical care uh, whatever it is like now they've got two other weeks where for freedom to travel I mean god forbid right I mean if you mm -hmm. want to leave your province uh, they pass please Brent <laughs> uh, but uh, you know there's more options um, but I think that the government looked at it as people maybe would spend it on drugs uh, you know or whatever uh, no, I mean, like Kim Page said in that video, there's that myth saying, oh, my God, if if we give people more money, oh, they're, they're, they're going to blow it. They're going to blow it. No, they're going to they're going to house themselves. That was that one study that was done for seventy five hundred dollars uh, recently that was given to a select amount of people. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's 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 different sides of it. But yeah, uh, and that study actually showed that people that uh, received that money, their depression levels went down. Which yeah, means, you know, the long-term effects here is if your depression levels go down, that means less medication you have to take, which means less involvement in, in healthcare, which yeah. means more doctor availability because you're not having to go in all the time to get your pills renewed because our healthcare system requires doctors to go and renew your medication instead of seeing a doctor's assistant. Or and, and, and maybe and maybe less uh, spent on uh, crime budgets too, because you're not strung out and like yep. stealing stuff from uh, London Drugs, as we said in the last uh, yeah. podcast. Well, yeah. 
Uh, it's exactly. it's like, I want to I want to jump back to something for a second. You yeah. know, uh, Jen, you know, Jennifer had mentioned made, and I had a really uh, neat idea about rebranding it because I don't like it either, and I yeah. think we should be rebranding it to government assisted suicide, which stands for gas. And I'm deliberately going with this and saying they're gassing I, those. I, 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 I don't think that that would go over well with certain <laughs> communities. <laughs> I got gas. Oh, 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 I got gas. Uh, I, I give give me a burrito. I have to eat the room. I have gas. Yeah, okay, yeah. Give, give me some of refried beans. <laughs> I got gas. Well, no, I mean, you know, it's just, the, you know, it's like when, you, when you're going and get having people that are, are depressed, you know, right. or not able to go and afford a living because of welfare disability, Right. And to me, you know, I believe, in my opinion, is that's what you're doing. You're basically executing your own people. You know, you, that's what your government's doing. I, and I believe that they have the right to have a choice. If they, if, if they have severe mental illness, but they have the comprehension to make the choice for themselves. And it's not based on their poverty, but it's based on their access or their situation as a whole. And that they have informally decided that they want to end their right. life. They should have the right to do it. But the way that this thing has gone on where we have just opened the floodgates and are willing to give them mm -hmm. the choice to do it while we have this poverty situation going on they are exactly right to examine this situation and find out if this is the right legislation to do because there are other countries that have medical assistance in death okay um but they already have a better social safety net than we do when it comes to making sure that there's access to a livable or at least somewhat livable income or circumstances to live versus what right. we do where, you know, we have some people that live on $200 a month or less. And so, right. yeah, you're going to be mentally depressed and want to end your life too if you're living on $200 well, a month or less. Well, exactly. And this is where, you know, to me, torturing people to, to choose death by going and creating a, this type of system of where there's not enough money, where you go and decide, it's like, you know, you're done because you just can't get ahead. I mean, yeah. that to me, that's where the abuse of government really is. Well, the way I, the way I look at it too, is that uh, the government's imposing more poverty, right? So they're, they're creating more mental health uh, issues. I mean, if, if that's what's, you know, happening, obviously, I mean, in society, one of my neighbors that is, um, I was just talking to this morning, said that's how they that's how he and this one lady see it is that it deliberately keeping seniors rates uh below poverty um keeping people with disabilities and i was like yeah i said you know come on to my podcast i, I said let's talk because and they said people on low income like deliberately pressing the income so low that they can't even mm -hmm. handle the their basic uh, needs in life like i mean you know shelter i mean that's what the government calls it shelter <laughs> but in your basic needs, right? So if they're deliberately doing it, they're causing mental health. And then they say, oh, well, by the way, now you can go and apply for MAID as of March of 2024 because you're now in a state of that. Hey, you're right. now. And that, that's a, that to me, that's a crime against humanity. You yeah, know. and it's wrong. Like, I mean, this is coming from, this is coming from uh, an MP. He used to work in Ottawa. And I was like, oh my God. He goes, like he said, shame on the federal government for even even going down that rabbit hole, I said, well, apparently they are. He goes, did they pass it? I go, yeah, they voted in favor. He goes, what? 
I go, yeah, they voted in favor. He goes, oh my God. He goes, who did it? I go, I'm not here to name names. I said, but um, I'm actually a little bit disappointed to say the least um, of a couple uh, ministers who um, were on the list. He goes, oh. Brent, I had this uh, right-wing guy on uh, TikTok come at me because I had uh, I had reposted uh, I'd reposted something about uh, some one of the people on our Twitter group. Uh, I think she I can't remember her Twitter handle. Something is first we make thieves or something like that. Hmm. I can't remember her. Um. Anyway. So I reposted something, and I got this really rude DM. And this guy, I shut him down really fast. He was like, oh, if we give you money, you're just going to burn it. And I said, you know what, buddy? You know what I did with my income tax? He, was, he said, what? I said, I went and spent $500 on my, of my $1,300 on groceries before I even bought myself a coffee. Right, right. So that, I said, so if you want to come at me because I'm low income, you're just following that narrative that's toxic from, from the super wealthy that don't think you just that I said there's a class warfare and it's not with the middle class and lower class. It's created by the upper class to divide. Right. Well you said so you said something we want to talk about we want to talk about the argument about about oh well if you give people a, a basic income they'll just go and spend on alcohol and booze while no, I no. just spent I just spent nine eight hundred dollars of my of my income tax which I could have gone and bought a lens. Trust me, I wanted to. I could have walked down to my local camera shop and dropped eight hundred bucks on a lens. Well yeah I, I think I, I, no guilt but I, I, I wouldn't drop five hundred on, on the grocery store. Yeah, I mean majority on a Saturday yeah, at Walmart. Uh, yeah, just like yeah. that one, just like that one. Um, <laughs> Can uh, I witness for a minute, in yeah. the go ahead, Jennifer? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm banging my drum because you guys, I'm like more pissed off at the 22 people that were getting paid to not vote. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's my big, that's Thank, my you, big Thank you on that. Thank you very I'm, much. What's I'm, that I'm, one? I don't, I, I missed that part. There were 22 MPs that didn't come in to work that day. Deliberately. Deliberately. Oh, okay. I have a problem with that. Me too. So there's, there's no say or whatever. I mean, a lot of the stuff that like you guys are talking about, they have all the information. They have had the, all the information that they need. Now, they're, what they're doing now from when I did speak with Mary Jane is they're having consultations and they want real lived experience people to be speaking in front of Senate who are oh. from groups and organizations. Now, part of the problem with that is they're cherry picking. Yep. They're cherry picking who they want, what they want and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And this is so we, we can have a million meetings, but we don't know if they're going to cherry pick any one of us because we don't fit the criteria. You know, right? I, I love that you use the word cherry pick, yeah. Jennifer, because yeah. I use the word cherry pick in all my emails. Uh, like you, you realize that I've done like uh, four different human rights complaints about the clawbacks, the, the pink unicorn that's be, behind uh, right. Brent, Brent's head right. there. Yeah. And, and they always tell me, well, it's, it's just unfair, Neil. It's it's not discrimination. And I'll use the word cherry pick 
<laughs> and they and and they even say, well, cherry picking isn't discrimination either. But then then you look at the word, the antonym word of cherry pick is indiscriminate. So if the yeah. if the antonym antonym word of of cherry pick is indiscriminate, it means the opposite of that is discrimination. And yeah. they're saying, well, it's not discrimination, Neil. And it's like, oh, look at a freaking dictionary and look at the antonym. It says indiscriminate for the antonym. So obviously, if it's indiscriminate for the antonym, it must be discriminatory. You know. Yeah, and, yeah, and here's the other add-on. And it's just a bunch of BS. And they cherry pick it. It's like then they say, well, you can ask these questions, and these are the answers we want to hear in in response. Like they'll 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 literally condense it down so that they cherry pick on who we want to speak, and this is what you're going to say, and this is what we're going to want to hear in response. Uh, yeah, and that's just silencing the disabled people out or witnesses. Uh, that's just wrong. Um, yeah, go ahead, Jennifer, uh, on feedback on that. What, what's your view on that? I totally believe that they're cherry picking. I believe that um, from the list of the people that were speaking in front of Senate and the people that in, in Manitoba, mm -hmm. that they were all picked by, at that point, the PC government that they had certain people and certain disability groups that were picked specifically to speak federally, provincially about certain things with the disability community. Yeah. I don't believe that people like in our group um, and PWD Army were even thought of in the emails and the responses from both ministers that I sent emails to, I got the, the same response that you would get to every person that is a disabled person across Canada. There was no changes. It was just basically citing websites of where you can go. Here are our things. And there was no specific uh, questions answered or anything. And that's my personal experience. Yeah. And what I, you know, what I heard, you know, when I used to do the uh, Twitter space, um, you know, they would you know, have, you know, different, uh, uh, individuals coming on talking exactly what we're talking about now that you know there'll be select people that will be asked to be a witness uh from the disability community obviously that didn't happen right um i mean they asked people to submit in their uh you know their their questions um you know and and all that stuff but it really it came down to organizations um and they picked the organizations that they wanted uh the government wanted to hear from uh, or, and organizations that are funded by the government right right yeah exactly <laughs> so of and, course they're going to be a little bit biased yeah but you know what was ironic is you know i'm not going to point out certain ones but there was uh there was one in particular that uh we we all as a disability community as activists across the country or you know i'm at, we advocating for better change of a quality of life for for our you know for ourselves as our um, and, and also as the uh, as people across the country, as allies, would join us in, too, with our discussions. But we would actually echo that we need DERB. Not once did I see one respond of DERB under one of the organizations. They would not push for DERB. Why is that? Well, because they're told not to. Not you know? paid for, basically. Well, yeah. and um, in, 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 in a metaphorical sense. Yeah, but I, I kind of it reminds me of a time that I was just talking to Sonia just recently here about a time where there was one disability advocacy organization. They're pretty big, uh, and I'll uh, I'll mention it because I don't mind. I mean, uh, because they're you know across Canada too, but they have a chapter in BC, but they're also across Canada. It's uh, Inclusion Canada. We've all heard about them. They also have a chapter in BC. 
one of their uh, one of their um, their head honchos that was uh, in charge of a disability, uh, I mean, of inclusion BC, met with a minister years ago, and I was actually fighting about a bus pass at the time. They took it away, right? And Neil knows all about that because I rant and rave about it. Now there was a um, the uh, executive director who was in charge of of inclusion BC was right in front of an MLA, right, right in front of them. And the uh, the guy basically shut her down. He says, "If you talk that way to me, I'm I'm going to walk away from you right now." And I thought, "Are you kidding me? You're not going to listen to uh, an advocate, um, a person who represents a organization?" And it was very rude. Like I was very condescending on how he was talking to her. I thought very disrespectful. And um, at the same time, she messaged me. She and she then phoned me and said, "You know what, Brent? I'm done. I'm done." Um, I, I can't deal with this. And she moved away, uh, Jennifer. She moved away to Saskatchewan. She was just done with it because it was manipulation. The government wouldn't listen to her. They only wanted her to, to say what they wanted her, what, what they wanted to hear. And it's like saying, we're paying you to, to advocate, but you can't advocate any higher than a certain percentage otherwise. And she went a little bit further because she cared. She cared so much for the disabled community that she fought, but the government didn't want to hear that. So they shut her down. I thought, I, wow. I think it's important uh, because uh, quite a while ago, you said uh, we you were talking about, you know, maybe, maybe uh, the government's being del deliberate here, or, or you said something to that effect. And I think it's important to realize that basically everything that the government does, let's be honest, is, very purposeful, very thought out, very, very deliberate. We, mm -hmm. we can't, we can't say that maybe they chose, to, there, there's, there's no, like, there's no, like, I want, I wonder yeah. if it's, yeah, it's, yeah. They, they definitely are, are choosing to do this very deliberately, very purposely, mm -hmm. you know, like there's, there's, there, there's never a decision where you can go all, well, maybe they're trying to do this. They're definitely trying to, you know, um, right. I think that's we have to make the, the, the distinction that uh, you know the government imposed poverty. There's nothing iffy about it. It's very deliberate, very purposeful. It's done on purpose. I mean, and that's again, if we go, if we go back to uh, you know the, the times that we railed against uh, you know Harcourt here in BC and Gordon Campbell, the mm -hmm. reason why. The reason why I've railed so hard against those two people in particular is because what they did was so deliberate, so purposeful, um, and it was just basically, you know, two e egotistical, bigoted men that took it upon themselves to say, you know, almost like, screw my party, screw my government. I'm going to make a one-man decision to F over the entire disability community and i don't care mm -hmm. you know that's going above and beyond and that's what i mean about very purposeful and very deliberate decisions and that actually can be pinned on just that one you know each for harcourt that was his decision like almost exclusively his decision you know and same thing right. with uh gordon campbell that was his decision like 100 percent. you know it mm -hmm. had nothing nothing to do with the party that was his bigoted decision, his egotistical decision, both of them, and that's why oh. I that's why I rail so hard against both of them for for yeah, that reason. 
Yeah, when we had the finance minister in in the previous administration, even uh, he, he basically got scolded. He got scolded for playing the little um, shell game, right? When it came to uh, you know, here, here you can have a, a rate increase, but hey, but you're only gonna get twenty five dollars of it. So you can have a bus pass. You can have twenty five dollars, but here's seventy seven dollars because the media says, oh wow, they got a seventy seven dollar increase. Well, well, wait a minute, there was that way a minute, right? And it was like they screwed up. You know, and what it comes down to, again, everybody, it's, pol- it's all about policies, right? It's about government, uh, in, you know, induced policies that affect people's lives. We need to get out of that rhetoric. And uh, like when I say we, meaning like we, we need to not put up with the government rhetoric. We need to take a stand. Uh, if that basically means that we need to have more rallies across the, uh, our provinces and tell the governments enough, enough. And that will be on our roundtable about government accountability i just wanted to throw that part in because it kind of gives oh. that theme of saying hey and we need to i um, guess we need to do, the- kind of uh, gather up as a um as allies as as jeff leggett would call it allies and warriors right across yeah. the country across our nation and i think jeff might even be on that i have to ask him uh he may want to be on that government accountability one he's we've got uh, two, we've got two hands up uh sorry oh, okay. uh Ellen. We've, yeah. got, we've got two hands up i just wanted to go to dan <laughs> maybe first yeah. and then dan. go over to mj i'll just be very quick again i'm just playing devil's advocate right like sometimes sure. the division throughout the i'm community. the devil <laughs> yeah yeah well some of us aren't some of us aren't right but uh, the division through the community it's like some folks have some tunnel vision and singular narratives and that's a big fucking problem. If you look right behind me, that sign that says Ainsley, that's mm-hmm. the office I used to work at. And when I didn't conform to the narrative of a certain group here in Toronto that wanted to do the things their way, mm-hmm. I was, however you kids are calling it nowadays, cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Now, how the fuck does that work? Part of my French, I'm, uh, this is a daily program. How does that work? How are we going to work together if we have people behind the scenes that are just canceling out people like myself uh, and other people that have the actual work experience with all this yep. shit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then we have to start over again. Like, for example, the basic income, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm like, I agree with everything you guys are saying, MJ and Joseph, there, how you explain it and stuff. But I hope we know that we're fighting for a basic income for our children and for their futures. Because as we said earlier, 1979, this started, right? It's now mm-hmm. 2023. I don't know about you guys, but I turned 46 last week. I'm not going to be around to see any of this shit, but I hope through our efforts and those that are genuine, not these freaks that get on and say that they're going to do this, say that they're going to do that, and then they screw up, but those that are genuine to work together with it. Here in Mm -hmm. Toronto, you'll see the names on the media all the time, McNally, Lorraine Lamb, Stupid Progress Toronto, all the unions fighting for everything. And, And where has it gotten us? It's gotten us nowhere. All these people have been there for 20, 30 years, and the jack offs that got me kicked out of that office are still there doing the same thing that they've been doing for decades. So as mm-hmm. you guys said, we got to work together, get in the group, yep. save the lawsuits and everything for another time because we got to get something in people's pockets right now, not 40 years from now, right fucking now. And it's people like Doug Ford, people like Justin Trudeau, and it doesn't matter who's in. It doesn't matter if it was Carla Qualtrough or not. They've mm-hmm. all been kicking this bucket down the fucking road for the past yep. how many years? We've got to continue. And we got to learn that it's not always only our singular ideas and narratives that we're. I've met Joseph before, okay? We went to a basic income rally in Toronto, okay? We sat and had a smoke and had a discussion about things. 
And even if people disagree on certain things, you should be working together and not getting people canceled for the sake of your own narrative, because that way it's never going to effing work. Mm -hmm. You know, people are suffering across our nation. And I, I totally echo, Dan, what you're saying about, yeah, yeah, people need help now. Like, so like if it's DERB or whatever, you know, I mean, we all call it DERB, it, but it's like, uh, you know, Christopher Freeland, if you're watching this now, please, like, and I, I literally stress the word, please. And I'm, and I'm being very polite, uh, very political. Uh, I could say other words, but I'm not going to because I, I respect myself for the word, please. But people are dying. Like, people are dying on the streets right now, Krista. Like, you promised the Canada Disability Benefit three years ago. Three. One, two, three. Okay. How much more do you want to hear from your own MPs, your own MPs, MLAs? across every provincial government who has now said, help your citizens, help them out, get it out there. I don't know. Like I've talked to some counterparts and I'm not going to go the rabbit hole back and forth. You know, I'm, I'm saying, well, provincial will say, well, Brent, the uh, federal is working on it. And I was told this directly from an MLA in my provincial legislature. They're working on it, Brent. I go, they're not working on it. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Because, see, the federal government was counting, uh, I mean, provincial governments were counting on the federal to do it. They screwed up. The federal screwed up. Why? Because they didn't want to pass it. Right? See, we're going to study it. We're going to study and study and study it until we kick it, like Dan said. We're going to keep kicking it down the road so we never have to deal with it. But eventually, we're going to make something out of it. Though, Krista, please get a derb out or whatever you want to call it, emergency fund. CRA can easily get it out the door. They have our personal information. They know who that they know who their citizens are. It's easy, easy peasy, done, bang, done, boom. Mm -hmm. See, and this is where all of these gameplay of yeah. oh, you know, it goes back and forth. Oh, the feds are doing it, the provinces are doing yeah. it, oh, this, that, and everything else. And see, one of the things that I've looked at with the program that I'm putting together in the idea of is it's going to be dealt with at the federal level yep. and the people that are disabled, they can choose to walk away from the provincial system and the provinces are going to be sitting here with workers that have no job to do. Right. That's going to be the way it is. People will walk <laughs> away from WCB. They'll walk away from, you know, because the federal benefits in my idea would all be put together into all of this. Right. I mean, and this is where the funding part comes in because we do have, all these infrastructures in place with the investment branch for CPP investment for uh, uh, unemployment. We have all this money. If we properly organized it and properly put it together, we would solve problems. You know, right. the, the real problem is, is, you know, with all this excessive government uh, administration, right. The amount of people that yes, are going to lose their jobs. Unfortunately, you know, well, you know, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people that lose jobs yeah. with Pink with a version, any form of UBI or a GLBI. You know, my idea is you take it or leave it. There's going to, not going to be any discounts if you earn money, you know, because to me, that's just more administration and it's more nonsense. And my idea is simplification all the way around. You know, this is only part of my idea. It's like the other half has to be the income tax system that gets simplified. So the people that are actually making money 
aren't using all of their tax deductions that they can go and use to pay zero taxes, right? <laughs> There's more issues than just, you know, you know, when you look at funding all of these programs, you have to look at how we're administrating an entire tax system and scheme that goes and makes it so the people that are rich pay next to no taxes because they got all of these deductions that they can go and jump in on. Right. right? Because see, right now, uh, MJ is, see, the provincial will blame the federal because, hey, it's their jurisdiction. Federal yeah. will tell us, uh, say, well, you know, you're suffering. Go and talk to your provincial governments while we work on this. And the provincial says, hey, we got no money. We got no oh, money. Exactly. Saying, yeah. Well, we got none. Really? Well, you know, at the same time, they ballooned up their, their provincial budget by 20, uh, $20 billion in taxes. But we got nothing to uh, give our, our uh, citizens, uh, disabled citizens. But, hey, there's more to do. We got more work to do. It's always that that rhetoric of uh, talking points and it doesn't matter who's in government. And again, then it's kind of like blame game. Well, you know, this government, that government, it's like work to fricking together. Like, so if it's, you know, like when I say work together, it's like provincial versus federal. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter who's going to provide the money. If they're going to provide it, somebody's going to have to take ownership. So uh, provincial well, needs exactly. to take care of it. Right. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's like that wavering back and forth. Right. See, one of the things that the provinces don't seem to get, is if the feds have to take uh, take ownership of this, mm-hmm. they're going to also take ownership of reducing the amount of uh, tax transfers that the provinces get because right. they're going to pay for this. Yes, right? exactly. And it's and then you know it actually gives people more money in their pockets. They can go and have a livelihood. They can then if it's especially if it's federally run, because now they can actually go and live wherever they want in the country without having that day pass or a month pass saying, "Can I pretty please go?" Friend, well, don't ask permission. Just go. <laughs> well, exactly. And this is, you know, this, this is where to me, I'm, you know, my idea is based on the concept of, you know, cruel and unusual punishment or treatment or torture and abuse that these programs tend to inflict on the people that are disabled. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the, you know, I just want to end the abuse all wholesale. Absolutely. I mean, that's where I'm really at is I'm yeah. done. Because right? you know, I'm so done. Like the digital uh, ankle bracelet. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they shouldn't be surveyed, though. They shouldn't be uh, monitored uh, because, I mean, wow, we're just citizens. I mean, it's not our fault that we have a disability, that that we're on a we're on a disability income, which used to be a pension, by the way, folks, uh, just watching this uh, and tuning in. Uh, If you have comments on that, uh, you definitely throw them out there. But people uh, with disabilities, they can get a disability at any time. I mean, anyone, uh, you can be in a car accident. I, I ran into uh, one of one of my neighbors who uh, used to work in a big corporation, uh, making very good money, uh, is now on provincial disability, uh, is saying, well, my gosh, I didn't realize that the government actually treats their disabled citizens this way and induced uh, poverty. I go, yeah, it's called legislative poverty. Why? I go, because it's a policy choice. It's across the country. It's not just in BC. It's every province. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. sadly, there are a couple provinces in the Maritimes that don't even have the PWD designation, but people are still disabled, but now they have to prove, are you looking for work? Are you, uh, you know, tell me your employer's address, phone number. Really? Is that what we do for our citizens that have, you know, they have a disability. It's not going to change their quality of life. It's like saying, uh, we're going to reassess you. We're going to reassess you. Why? Oh, just to save, try and save some money for administration. Hmm. Does it go away? And I had to, I had to get reassessed when that when my first wife passed away too. Yeah, 
It's just I mean, so stupid. Being, it's like, or, what, or what changed dark. other than my wife died? Thanks. Yeah. Being dark. Well, exactly. It's like a pink being unicorn. Dark, uh, being dark to 100 bucks because you were out of the province for 10 months, for 10 oh. days on ODSP. It's like with that whole, every time you log into my benefits, it's like, oh, be that. Okay, so I got a funeral in Nova Scotia to go, let's say. I'm going to be there for 10 days, right? Or five days. Oh, well, right. well when you do when you do your reports the next month, we're going to take X amount of dollars for those 10 days you weren't in the province. Like, really? Yeah, yeah I mean, really? meanwhile, you have, you have a crisis that you're going through, and the last thing that you want to think about is oh i need to tell the government that i need a day pass can i can i go uh no i'm sorry you have a murder oh, or whatever you it might is well, you might as well just put a, a, a ankle bracelet on people it's, yeah it's terrible right I and mean, that's um, what needs to change and I mean, that's why i i strongly believe that we need a guaranteed uh livable basic income across this nation get rid of all the other uh administration stuff um yeah because we don't need it all um you know, I, I love all the different viewpoints on how to get that. arbitrated. It's been it's yeah. so out of date. And it is so it is. An, antiquated. One of the things I wanted to talk about, and I'll bring this up in the net and when we do the accountability thing. But yeah, I was disgusted this morning when I looked on Twitter and I saw how Sarah Jarmer had been oh, thrown yeah. under the bus. Right. I was like, not just because she's a disabled Ontario one, but but because she spoke her mind, like, mm -hmm. and and we all know how Doug Ford looks at women, the, the way he talked to Andrew Horvath. It's like nails on the chalkboard. I mean, we know he's a bigot. He's he's a sexist P POS. His brother was, the whole Ford family are just a horrible pair. The whole bunch of them. They should never... But, any, you know, I mean, elected and, officials. And, and, and boo on, and boo on uh, Mrs. Stiles for not backing up Sarah because she spoke her mind about a horrific situation in Hamas. Like, really? Is that what it's come down to? I'll, <laughs> I'll say very quickly because I see Jennifer's hands up, but just to touch on Sarah there, I yeah. actually know Sarah Jam and I've been to plenty of rallies with her. She actually goes to the poverty rallies and the PWD awesome. rallies and so I bet she does. I, yeah. I, I know her I don't know her outside of the legislature, but what I've seen from her and what I do know is that mm -hmm. she's a stand-up person. Uh, sorry, I you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, no, she's she... a great person. And the reason why this happened is because A, Merrick Styles is chicken shit of Doug Ford, and B, Doug Ford hates people that are disabled. It's that simple, right? There's oh, no because this lady doesn't cause a problem with anybody. Uh, so, and I believe she's also out in the area. Uh, she took over the area where Andrea Horvath was in, and Andrea Horvath's mm -hmm. now the mayor of Hamilton. So we all know how much Doug Ford loves Andrea Horvath. The other yeah. thing they can do very quickly is they got to stop talking about Bonnie Crombie, the liberal. It's going to take Doug Ford out. Liberals don't have an official party in the Ontario legislature, so they should yeah. probably work on getting a party together before they try to cut Doug Ford's throat. But sorry, Jennifer. Thanks, Dan. I always love Dan's take on that, Dan. I always love your take on that. I was just, I, I felt Already my did. whole appetite was gone. I read that post about about her being uh, taken out of the um, out of the caucus and not being able to speak, and and I was like, really? Is this the Canada I grew up in? Right. Like, wow. Kind of 
it's kind of like group sometimes with you guys. Yeah. I don't mean to be rude or disrespectful, but sometimes you guys go on and don't allow women who are indigenous and not indigenous to speak. So, right. and sometimes people, no offense, Dan, sometimes people cut in front of us dis disrespectfully to say their two cents. So this is actually one of the reasons why I kind of stepped back from participating in a lot of these things, because I don't tolerate disrespect anymore. I now have learned to tell people, pardon my language, to people listening, to fuck off now. So I, instead of telling them that to do that, I walk away from them and I don't look back now. So I did participate in this because I wanted to get my points across as a disabled Indigenous woman. And I appreciate it. And I apologize for having to pull my drum out, but I wasn't having the opportunity to speak or be heard. So that is the only reason why I brought the drum out. And I know you guys get excited, but sometimes in our culture, what we do is we hand around a feather or we time people to give people the appropriate time to say what they have to say. But when people are saying the same things over and over again, and they're not actually doing something called active listening to actually hear and validate the people who are speaking, we have issues. So I understand that you guys are very strong on Ontario, and this is part of the problem that I've experienced being in a PWD advocacy disability groups, that it's only always ODSP. Now, unfortunately, there is other provinces in Canada where there are people who are disabled and people who are living off of less than what ODSP pays, and Manitoba is one of them. And the only thing that I can say to you guys is we need to start having respect for one another. And Dan, I don't expect an apology from you. However, in future, if we're in a group and I'm in a round table, please don't do that. That just shows to me that not only do you not respect me as an Indigenous woman, you just don't respect other people. So well, a part of it is self-control. And I'm sorry if I'm going to sound harsh, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. In fairness, Jennifer, I'm gonna I'm gonna step in because in fairness, uh, it, this is your first roundtable. Um, Dan's been to quite a few, and and actually, Dan will tell you himself. I mean, I and, and we've we've all witnessed it. There, it's very hard to moderate uh, something like this when there's so many voices and everybody's you know everybody's a strong voice, and it's hard for me to to moderate. And there's lots of times where Dan comes on. <laughs> And he doesn't. He doesn't even speak, because because it's so hard to moderate and get everybody equal equal time. So uh, I don't I don't see uh, Dan speaking ahead of you as being disrespectful. I just see it as from a from a producer point of view, from an editor editor producer point of view. I just see it as as a it's a tricky thing to moderate and and hmm. give people equal time on the on these kind of on these kind of uh, roundtables, it's not. It wasn't a sound. It wasn't a sign of disrespect. I mean, like I said, Dan has been on a number of these things where he's barely said a word because it's so hard to moderate these things, and it's, it's it wasn't a sign of uh, me me disrespecting Dan either when he when he's come on and he hasn't he hasn't had a chance to speak either. So, yeah, yeah. It's um. I know it can be frustrating um, at times. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of guilty that way sometimes myself where um, I've you know, not intentionally interrupted um, some people when they're speaking. Um, 
I think, uh, you know, going forward, uh, you know, and I'm not knocking any anybody down at all uh, either, right? I, I don't knock myself down. But I, I've learned over time, too, that, uh, you know, with, with doing roundtables or, or any shows, too, is like, say, having roundtables is that maybe, I don't know, I mean, if we're all in agreement, maybe we could try to maybe give each other like a certain amount of time. Like, we'll say, okay, you have, um, you have like, say, three minutes, you know, and I don't like to limit people down to a certain time. Uh, maybe so we could all take turns. I mean, I don't know. If, do you think maybe that might help? But but it is hard. It is hard, it is, Brent. It I mean, like yeah. I'm I'm always as as your editor producer. I'm I'm always trying to give people equal airtime, and I know you are too. But yeah. when you have, it's, I mean, we've had we've had up to nine people sometimes on these on these. I uh, know. <laughs> round tables and it's it's really hard to give everybody equal airtime and like i've said there's lots of times where dan's come on he hasn't he hasn't said a peep and it's not that i'm trying to be disrespectful it's just sometimes that's the way it, the way it goes right yeah and, and if we're that... not we're not trying to openly disrespect people right i, did, oh, no. I think yep. when i when i did the first round table where i was out on lake ontario there oh, i don't wow. think i said anything much yeah, you didn't really say too much. It was actually hard to hear you, <laughs> to be honest, for a bit there. Yeah, but, fair uh, enough. Yeah. <laughs> it was right by the water. <laughs> but it I mean, was pretty, get, though. It was pretty. But, I mean, was... getting back to, um, I mean, back to your comment, Jennifer, I mean, um, I echo, like, I, I totally understand um, what, what you mean um, when it comes to not being able to have that time to speak. Uh, and I get it because, like, um, I, I mean, like I say, I, you know, I, I've uh, interrupted people myself, and I don't mean to. If I do, and I apologize, I totally get it. Um, but I mean, we we all learn. Like we all learn. It's a learning curve of of advocacy. I mean, for myself, I learn from you guys. I, that's what it's all about. Lived experience. I I learn, and I, I gather up information, and I say, this is what this is what the general amount of people what they're talking about. Um, I learn about a lot. I've, I mean, Jennifer, you've taught me a lot about indigenous stuff that. To be honest, I was really, I mean, you educate me. You educate me with a lot of stuff that I didn't really know a lot about because obviously in, in, the, in the school system, they never taught, they never taught us uh, a lot of that. Why? You, and I, you and I have both said, I mean, yeah. Yeah. when I grew up, like, on that. they never taught us anything like that. Nope. In, in they the didn't. School, like nothing. Yeah, on, on purpose. We're, 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 yeah. we're talking about purposeful and deliberate things. Yeah. On purpose. We were never taught that. And, when, and when, when I heard on the news, on the media, and I heard this through our, our, our uh, provincial legislature, um, they talk a lot about Indigenous all the time of the uh, to to find the, the missing children. And they want to bring them home. They want to bring them home. And it really, it put tears in my eyes because it's like it never had to be that way. Like it never had to, the, the children should have been able to, to enjoy life, to not be, going through subjecting uh, the government and subjecting them through that. Um, and so hearing and learning, um, I, I think that uh, I have a lot to learn uh, regarding uh, indigenous uh, like pronunciations of when I do the show and I, I can never get the terminology down. I, I think I did that one, uh, that one um, breaking with Brent segment. I really, I really struggled um, uh, on like I think I said, um, I'm on the uh, unceded territory of the of the Musqueam, um, you know, say the tooth, uh, and but you know some of the politicians like they'll they'll say the stuff, 
you know what I mean? And like, it does, it just comes to them. But for me, I have to learn, like when I'm doing that, if I'm broadcasting live on a location, it's, it's not just for me, but it's respecting, it's respecting the indigenous, the first nations, the indigenous who I'm on. I have the privilege of being on their land. So I have to learn that to listen and, and learn from, from people too. And that's what I, I want the government to learn from us, not just from us, but from the indigenous, from anybody who are citizens in this country. I want the government to actually just finally listen and put all their political um, posturing aside. Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the, the prime minister. I'm going to be the premier. Okay, great. But you're voted in to represent your community, you know, to represent. You need to listen to your citizens. People should not be dying on the streets because of starvation, because of poverty, not having enough income, not be able to buy clothes for themselves. Uh, do they need to go to a food bank? Well, we all know my opinion about food banks, right? If it works great for some people, perfect. If it doesn't, I think people should be just given enough enough resources overall for everything. And if we need to tax them, we need to tax that income. Like like Joseph said, um, if there's different ways of doing it, perfect, whatever. Like that's but well, the they, ta they, ta yeah. they tax the Serb, right? Because right. like like okay, so the Serb was supposed to do two grand a month, and they knocked a hundred dollars per two week periods off for taxes, right? So it was like nine hundred. Right. It was but 900 it, every two weeks. So it got taxed. So why? Right. Well, so if we need to get that, you know, we need to take care of our citizens. I mean, we're supposed to be in a, a wealthy nation. We should be taking care of our citizens, not corporations. But, you know, Jennifer, if I could give you, you a big tax. For I would like, I want to thank you uh, on what you said. So I, um, I apologize if, if I upset you or anything. I just want to throw that out there. I didn't mean to uh, at all. Okay. Just want to let you she's know. Got, she's got her hand up again. So we can. Okay. Go ahead. Want, go ahead. She talk again. She can. Go ahead, Jennifer. Oh. Is she still there? She had her hand up. So. Jennifer? I'm not sure. We can go. We can come back to her, Dan. Dan, you oh, have your hand up. Oh, there she is. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm. Um... Oh, maybe she's had trouble with audio. Hi, I'm. I don't know. My audio is being really weird. Okay. <laughs> can Can you hear me yeah. now? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Can, I can hear okay. you, Jess. Yeah, no, my phone's cutting in and out right now. The connection is really kerfuffly in this place. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't mean to um I didn't mean to be rude or anything, but oh, I'm no. learning to use my voice and speak up when I feel or um am feeling disrespected. And I know that it, not to take things personally, and I don't mean to attack Ontario because I know you guys have enough issues with satan at the realm and i will call <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i will refer to doug ford as satan because he is just almost as evil as our premier but i mean right now we're in transition in manitoba there is a positive change for us with the ndp being in power mm -hmm. wob has uh i know him personally i went to school with him in the uh, university of winnipeg and oh, wow. he is 
He is a Sundancer. He is true to his word. And there's going to be a lot of changes in our province. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, he's got all new cabinet. We've got a new health minister, new justice minister. And it's going to be quite interesting to see how they do the changes in our province. So I'm really thankful as a person who's Indigenous and a person who's got disabilities because I can see future changes that are positive here. Um, unfortunately, at the federal level, mm. the feds are doing so much. And it's just, I don't know. Yeah. You got to yeah. just work like exactly what Dan said. We got to move apart from the, how do you let go of really bad things when people do evil things to you? Honestly, I don't know. You just can't hang on to it because then you can either turn bitter and turn angry yeah. and turn hateful. And that's not a good way to be for yourself. That'll just eat you up. And so I personally learned to heal, move forward and let things go that I can't change because sometimes you have to accept the fact the government is in power, not for us or for any little people or vulnerable people. They're mm -hmm. in power for themselves and they don't give a crap about us. They're really, honestly, they're a corporation. And the only thing that they really recognize is other corporations. So yeah. it's going to be difficult to make waves, but we have to try. And that's where I'm here. That yes. I'm yes, absolutely. I'm still willing to try, but there's a lot of people in the disability community that feel exactly like Dan, that feel like they've been fried, burnt, lied to, scapegoated, backstabbed, and a lot of Gosh, really right. Really horrific things have been done to them to basically you know, cause them a lot of pain and a lot of hardship. And I understand that it's not easy to forgive, but forgiveness is a choice. And I can't force anybody else to forgive, but I myself try to move forward. So otherwise I wouldn't be in the space, but thank you guys for your input on the UBC and what you guys have given me. I've taken notes and I guess we move forward with the next one. So Thank yeah. You. Uh, yeah. Thanks on that, Jennifer. Um, you know, that's one thing I've, I've learned in life too. It's that there is, um, oops, oh, I had an AirPod on my phone. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was weird. I had to, Sonia had an AirPod on her phone there and all of a sudden showed up on my screen and said, is this your AirPod? I go, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, oh, what is going on here? But um, I, I really echo that. I know um, I struggle with that sometimes myself where, um, and like, maybe it's not exactly that, but it's like, okay, so we got, we got a provincial government, right? We've got an NDP majority government. I, I've learned over time that I, I know a lot of them that are in the uh, opposition right now. And it's the same thing. Like, uh, and I know them, like personally, I've met them over time, over years. And I like a lot of the ones in the NDP right now too. Um, I was called out a few good times over over years, right? Even on social media, saying, "Oh no, Brent's not going to hold the premier to account. Brent's a nice guy. He's not going to hold the premier to account because he knows him personally. He knows the premier personally. He's his friend, so he's not going to bash his friend." So I, I think I totally get what Jennifer, what you're saying. Like it's like saying, um, maybe not. It's not in so many words, but it's saying like I need to get like people need to get over certain hurdles now it's maybe not exactly the same thing but it's like me it's like i have to i have to hold whoever it is account so 
is like whoever's in government or whatever it is, is like, I need to learn for myself that I need to try to work with all the disability communities, like of different people of whatever our understanding is. I mean, we're always going to have disagreements. Hey, Neil, like I could have a disagreement with you. Hey, no, Neil, Neil, we're going to be broadcasting this way. No, no, we're going to have this guest on. No, no, Neil, I don't want that guest on. Not saying that we, we have had that discussion, but Mm -hmm. I mean, like different viewpoints and, um, like I can tell you, for instance, I had one guest on, and I'm not going to say who, but I got bashed, you guys. I got bashed by someone who said, how dare you, Brent? How dare you have that person on? Like, why would you do that? And I said, I said, because I believe in advocacy. I believe that just because that person was on my show, that person is advocating for they're themselves they're advocating for their community yeah so having viewpoints and and, and it was only because this person and i, I won't yeah. give any more away yeah. but it was only because this person was affiliated with a particular party yes but yeah. but, the, but the reason why you brought this person on is like you said uh as an advocate yes or yeah. you know as an not not as a politician but as an advocate Okay. So, and I'm going to yeah. have that person on again, because mm-hmm. I believe, um, and that's why I have anyone on my show. Um, I mean, and there's been times where I'm like, okay, like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's like, I always like to hear their viewpoints. Um, and uh, I mean, I, all the ones on, on our round table today, like we're all advocates. We are our group, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I hear different viewpoints and I gather up the same thing. I gather up information. I say, yeah, like it's awesome different viewpoints and and jennifer like you really hit uh, a lot of awesome things like it's like why you know it's like it kind of echoes what i'm already thinking it's like i have to learn i have to learn to kind of put things aside that um like i've learned from the twitter space as we all know when i used to do the twitter space yeah and you know i used to hear from uh, from Sonia, like, come on, the show's over. And then I hear from Neil, like, and you guys, and I can say, because Neil's right here, come on, for God's sake, Brent, shut the goddamn thing down. And I, 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 I would never say that. No, no. I, no, I, I was later. I didn't swear at you. I didn't swear at you. I didn't swear at you. And I had it on one of the shows, or Sonia comes in, shut it down. And I think yeah. it was like, Oh, it was a good discussion, but you know what? I live, I live and learn, right? Because I learn of saying, okay, like a certain enough was enough, right? Of, of the time frame, and I guess part of it too is a growing curve cur for myself. You guys, it's like, and when one's listening to the show, they're like, I mean, Brent, we enjoy the podcast; it's awesome. And I'm, yeah, I mean, I get positive feedback about it all the time. So I welcome the people that say that to come and subscribe to the show, uh, because what I'm saying the- is. But the two-hour limits are so much better than going seven, eight hours, right? It, it is. It is so much. It is so much better because I can actually focus on you guys. I can focus on the guests that come on the show, and they say, "Hey, I can only be half hour, hour. The show's done as soon as the guest is done, saying I'm done. The show is done, and it's yeah. great because what I found too, and I've had a couple comments recently, uh, and I had an email. I think I forwarded on to you, Neil. Uh, saying that thank you uh, we I missed the Twitter space and mm-hmm. I thought like really seriously please leave that you know what I mean like leave that alone like yeah that done but yeah, it's for some reason you keep you keep getting dragged into that again I don't yeah, know why I mean. it's, that, it's that narrative of saying yeah. like we want it and and yeah sometimes 
Um, I sometimes I do miss doing the Twitter Space show. It just became very, um, very toxic at times. Uh, at times, it was very, very rewarding though. Uh, at times there was times where some people would drop in that were unexpected and they they took over they literally hijacked it uh and it became a, a shit but this show. is this is why th this That's round why table this is awesome. good this this is round table is kind of like in the spirit of the it is. It, it's kind of in the spirit of the open mics but a little bit more downscaled it, right it's a little is, bit more manageable it, it, it is and the thing is, is that great ideas and we can have constructive um ideas and um you know, that's why I want to do a separate round table just for government accountability of, yeah, like organizing. And I'm serious about that. I think we're going to each province will get certain people in each province. And I'm going to get Jeff's uh, help with this. Uh, as you if you know, Jennifer, you've met Jeff uh, a few times now coming across. Um, I know that one of his plans is that he's going to have Sonia and myself join him on uh, on a tour. He has to raise funds uh, through um, GoFundMe and through his charitable um, organization. Um, so we're going to arrange the, the funds of going across the nation. I want to find a sponsor for our show here too, because that way I can actually, um, yeah, I made arrangements, having a Neo joining us with us too. You take uh, Jake with them too. Hey, we're, we're that's going right, on. That's right. That's right. Um, you know what? We've got about 20 minutes before the okay. end of the show. So yeah. I, I, I thought we could start, uh, closing comments now yeah uh, to give great. everybody enough time i know dan's had his hand up for a while so we'll give dan the first uh dibs on comments yeah. and we'll just go around to everybody yeah so you know i so i just i just gonna so, so I'm, gonna, now I'm gonna cut this here right because first off i didn't cut nobody off i spoke at the end when somebody spoke secondly i was sticking up for miss Jama, a woman a disabled woman who was kicked out of the legislature for something that was not her fault okay Thirdly, I have just sat here, and I'm going to be as nice as possible, but I've just sat here and heard my name, my name, my name. And I just watched as three other people interrupted each other, right? So this is not about that. Let's get that narrative out there. Dan's rude. I understand what Dan's going through. Ain't nobody in this room across this country anything understand what I've gone through because the same thing that just happened to me a couple months ago just happened to Sarah Gemma. There's a group of people that just don't give a fuck what you got to say and they'll find any little thing to pin it on you so I, I i understand if dan doesn't want to apologize what do i got to apologize for sticking up for miss sarah jama who is a a a disabled person in a wheelchair or do i got to apologize for myself because i got fired because of what people wanted to say people need to realize that i don't hate women i don't hate indigenous people i don't even hate ideas i disagree with there's one person I hate in the world, and they ain't sitting at this table. Okay, so I personally, as a 46-year-old man, don't appreciate coming on to a show and having people speak like that in that manner to me and then put me on blast like that. I'm here for the same fucking reason that everybody else is here. I want something done. I want something done now. I want something done for everybody. I don't give a fuck what walk of life you come from, okay? But the walk of life I came from after being homeless 19 fucking years and to be talked to like this on a constant basis by people, I got a voice too. I'm going to speak up too. And that's what I encourage everybody on this show, whether you're watching or participating, to do. And lastly, this is a roundtable discussion. This isn't a debate at city council. This isn't a debate at the parliament hill. This is a roundtable discussion where we bounce ideas off each other. And that's how we learn. 
And God damn it, I have learned. Because guess what? I haven't gone to a single day of school for any of this shit. I learned through living through life like each and every one of you there. So I don't appreciate that being said to me. I, if I offended anybody in any way in that manner, I apologize. But if you go back and watch the tape, I think you'll see that it's at the end of somebody speaking. And I only apologize because MJ had his hand up first. So I don't appreciate being talked to like this either, right? I had to let that out because I want to show people. She's right in one thing she said, Jennifer. You have to speak up for yourself. I got a voice too. I'm not afraid to use it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you on that, Dan. And um, one thing that uh, I've, I've learned, uh, you know, on, on the, on the, on the podcast, on the uh, round tables is um, giving people equal opportunity to speak. Um, and I, you know, if I've offended, for me personally, if I've offended anybody on the round table, I, I, you know, I would really like them to speak up right and say, like, yeah, you know, Brent, like you cut me off or, and I, if I have, I'm really, truly sorry. Like I, and I really try not to. I um, cut you off all the time, actually, Brent, <laughs> like right now, <laughs> but, but for some reason we, uh, we still get along. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it's hard, but no, but I, I, I want to throw that out there too. And I, I'm sorry, you know, Dan, I mean, if, you know, if that has happened, I want everyone to have a really good experience on the, on the podcast, on the show, um, as always, um, because we learn from each other. Um, we learn from mistakes, uh, maybe, uh, you know, different comments that maybe, um, you know, and I'll say if, if I pronounce somebody's name too, I mean, my gosh, sometimes I'll have guests on and I'll pronounce their name wrong and I'll get it wrong. I'm like, no, no, don't keep trying, Brent. Just throw it out there. And but I, I learn, I learn from you guys, um, and you learn from me. I learn from you. I, I learn from advocacy. Um, one thing I have learned, and I'm going to make this very quick because I want everyone to have their turn of the roundtable of our discussion at the end. Uh, all I've learned is that we need to, I guess, uh, have action holding the the government to account but yeah because you're right jennifer um totally right on that is that it's like they're a big corporation the government's like a corporation they don't give a shit right um there's the swear jar front throw it in <laughs> uh yeah but it, it's true like but they like they have to be held accountable how do we do that um i guess i'll be on our our next uh, round table one that we're going to have is government accountability how i don't know how um is there's a lot of ideas out there. Is there lawsuits, whatever we're going to do? I don't know. Um, so I, I want to hear from you, different people on, on that when we organize that uh, round table and it's going to be con concrete discussions, but of, but being ourselves. And that's what it's all about is about lived experience, being ourselves of ideas that we're going to throw out there. Um, but I do know is that all we have to do is keep trying you guys. And that's the narrative that we've been saying today. We need to try, we need to try to push for immediate help help now but at the same time try to communicate with and advocate the best way we can um yeah so anyway I, that's that's all i want to say so dan I, and jennifer i if you know if i could reach out you guys like come on like give you a hug <laughs> like come on there's no need to apologize to me man you guys are okay. great and everything okay uh, if you notice somebody left the room as soon as they were spoken back to this person fucking was one of the ones that caused me shit too, okay? I'm going to be blunt and straight with everybody just this one time, okay? And I cut my mouth. I shut my mouth here all fucking day. And all I heard was Dan, Dan, Dan. And I don't, there's nothing on Neil. There's nothing on Brent or MJ or anybody else. Everybody's great. Even if I don't agree with some ideas, 
I'm here to listen and learn. That's why I fucking came to five. Not one. I didn't come here to cut out anybody and then jump out of the fucking show, okay? So I, I apologize if I blew up a little bit there, but I have a right to defend myself too, right? When people block me and people talk shit about me and then they come on to shows to try to get reactions like this. Now go back to Twitter and I guarantee you, you're going to say, oh, damn, the fucking asshole and this, that. I don't give a fuck. People got me fucking fired. And I was trying to work like we all are here to work together to get something done. And those were the exact people that fucking did it. So there you go. Mic drop. Boom. I'm sorry if I exploded, guys. And I look forward to all the closings. Well, you know, I've been sitting here quiet for the last hour listening to all of this. And I'm going to be honest. I don't care about your feelings. We're adults. You're the master of your feelings. You need to control them. Right? That's how I look at this. As an adult, we control our feelings and our actions and reactions to how things are said to us. And being an adult is a hard task at times when things are not going in the direction or conversation or what is going on that you like. Being respectful is even harder. You know, and kindness in the face of disrespect is even the hardest thing to do. And I find that sometimes even in all of this, when you realize that you can't do anything, the best thing to do is just walk away and just be done. Because for the last hour of this program, it's been an absolute and complete waste of time and energy. The discussion was hijacked and destroyed. And I'm sorry to say that we've wasted a valuable hour of our lives not dealing and conversing about the issues at hand. And that's truly how I feel about the current situation. And I wish we could get back to for the past next 15 minutes to get back into the discussion, if it's possible. Can I speak for a moment, please? Sure. Mm -hmm. Now to set the air clear, I was the one who interrupted Jennifer. Because I was trying to quote Professor Zhao about something she said. And instead, she attacked Dan for the rest of the broadcast. And I never got to speak a word. Yeah. I have been attacked by her several times about how she is Indigenous and she speaks over me. And then she put, belittles me because I am not disabled. I have spent years advocating for this stuff. And if you're going to be offended because I want to speak up and correct a quote. Yeah. This is the first well, time that that it's actually, this is the first roundtable. I haven't spoken since she interrupted. Yeah. I'm, you know, and... Well, you know... I'm sorry, you know. MJ. You can continue. I, that That's yeah. my closing argument. Is that she should have realized that she was blaming the wrong person? I mean, we all come because here. she's already done this to me with Dan before. Yeah, you know, guys, we all come here to try to solve the problems and try try to come through. Uh, you know, through all of this, I mean, and you know, 
we've got our own problems during the week that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've been oh. dealing with migraine headaches the last <laughs> few days because I have herniated discs in my neck and I have to wear a CPAP machine. So when I sit here and I listen to all of this, it's like we come here, we put aside all of our pain and agony and all of our problems to come here to go and suggest ideas of how to fix society. We put aside our pain and agony just for a couple hours a week to go and be put our best hat on, to go and put our brains in gear to come up with solutions. You know, we really do, you know, and, you know, I appreciate the intelligence that comes to the table. We come from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. We come at this from different angles, you know? So to me, if, you know, we need to put aside our egos to be able to solve problems. And what we saw here was an excellent example of egos getting in the way. And unfortunately, this is how politics works. Egos are always paramount in politics. It does not matter which side of the aisle it is and which political party it is or who it is. There's always egos. And the only way to solve these problems is to put the ego down. That's really what I have to say. Brent, Neil? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, MJ, on that. And uh, yeah, I, uh, wow. You know, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm so sad that um, you didn't get a chance to really explain that, uh, Joseph. Um, and yeah, I mean, what happened there? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just terrible. Um, because I mean, yeah, like you're, you're right, uh, MJ. It's an hour, you know, over an hour that was wasted, right, of productivity of the time of discussing about uh, affordability, right? Um, I mean, yeah, and that's what, I, that's what what we were supposed to be really uh, talking well, about. And yeah, I, had, I, mean, I, I don't mean question. to sound exclusionary, but I'm just no. going to recommend that this type of this individual just not be welcome to the program if they're going to act in this behavior. Because yeah, a, it was the first time for her yeah. on on this roundtable. Um, I yeah. I didn't I didn't expect. I mean, if I if I had known, of course we <laughs> we wouldn't have. Now we know. Uh, invited yeah. her. If, yeah, and, and I apologize, MJ and everybody else, if I upset you in any way and let my ego get in the way, so to speak. No, but the fact I, I know, I know. But the fact is, is that we have all done these roundtables, what, four or five times now? And there's never it, been it, like that. Okay? Yeah, I, I, that's so what I was going to say. As a producer, this is the first time that it's kind of gone yeah. south. I have to say, like, we, this, yeah. this is the fifth one. And and the, the first four have gone without a hitch. Everybody's been super Perfect. polite. I mean, well, everybody everybody here has got very strong voices, right? We're all strong advocates. Yeah. And it's it's really hard sometimes to have, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we've had like up to nine people sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot to try to manage all nine voices that are really strong. But well, especially, been... when had, uh, especially when we had, uh, well, I mean, as we know, I think Tom, Tom um, you know, so sad what, what he's going through right now, but he, he will be joining us either next week, well, actually, maybe not uh, next, probably the week after, but yeah. And oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> but See, yes, um, I'm sorry, I, I stand corrected, Brent, uh, that, you know, me and Jennifer have not had an argument on the live stream before. We've had arguments in your uh, spaces on Twitter 
where I will speak, she will speak, she blames me for interrupting, and then we have a big argument, and it, it goes on. And this has happened several times, and this is why I'm upset, because as an advocate, I am allowed to have my voice just as much as she is. Just because I am not disabled does not mean that I can't speak about disabled programs. Just because I'm not Indigenous does not mean I can't speak about Indigenous programs. I support all of them at the same time, but I am tired of being told that she needs extra attention over it because it makes me feel like I am being degraded because I am not in her position. And I understand lived experience, but I've lived with a disabled wife. Right. I have disabled family members. Okay, I've been disabled temporarily in my own life. I've been in a wheelchair. I've been on crutches. I've been in scooters. I've been in, you know, having a walker. I have injured my life several times to the point where I can't walk for two months and use a commode at the end of my bed to take a shit. I know what it feels like. <laughs> and so just because I am not physically disabled right now, does not mean that I'm not defending my right from 10 years from now for this program. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what Canada needs to wake up and realize is that 15% of Canada is going to retire in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. You got 20% already retired. You got 22% disabled. Wake up, folks. One in three needs government help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what, what has happened. Um, the governments have just uh, let it go. They just, ever decades, decades, oh, nothing to see here. Uh, things will just keep going, status quo. Right, now we're to a boiling point where things have to change, like now. They have to change now, not later, well, not decades from now. Um, and, the, uh, house, yeah. the, uh, the problem in Canada, well, any, any country really, is that when you don't clean your house, it gets messy. And we've let our social affordability uh, become a messy house. And no amount of foreign aid to this country, that country, or the other country is, it's like going, it's like saying, I don't care my house is messy. I'll go to my neighbor and clean his house because I felt like it got something done. But I don't care that there's 30,000 pizza boxes in my foyer. Right. Yeah. And the problem is that now, metaphorically speaking, Canada's become this big quarter house of issues and mm -hmm. affordability has been let go. No one's put the trash out. No one's vacuumed. No one's washed the windows, whatever. My, I, I came to this open mic because I wanted to talk about affordability. And my question in my mind is, when it comes to the Canadian Disability Benefit versus this GIBL thing, which is likely to get greenlit and which is likely not to get greenlit or are neither going to get greenlit? And that's mm -hmm. kind of what I wanted to take away from coming to this. Well, that's my closing well, statement. BC, Bill C-22 is law, which means, Alan, the candidate's disability benefit is going to happen. What, what what amount or what it looks like is to be determined, but it will happen. Now, GLBI, will that happen? We don't know yet. 
do we want it to happen? Most definitely. But which size are they going to use? What conditions are they going to use? Yeah. And that's the ultimate conversation that the Senate, the House of Commons, the provinces, you know, everybody has to negotiate on because they are right. There is uh, jurisdiction. The provinces have the jurisdiction over your health and welfare. They are supposed to provide for you if you cannot provide for yourself. But do they do it? Half ass. Yeah. Three quarters <laughs> full, you know, uh, you know, a half full glass or however the hell you want to call it. it yeah, they're, they're speeding they don't up, do enough. They're, they're speeding and up the counter. But... Right. <laughs> this is the counter, but we need, not... we need to treat social assistance just like infrastructure. If we don't invest in the people, the people will not do well. They'll fall apart. They'll crumble. They'll need to be replaced. Guess what? We can't just replace them like girders and steel. No, exactly. Yeah. We need to make sure that we invest in our people because if we don't start now. 10 years from now, when we do need to start, the price tag is going to be so big, we're going to scare everybody from doing it in the first place. And that happened before. And it'll happen again and again and again, because that's politics. What we need to stop right now and go right now is the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of the, um, we'll see time gaps where like in the 90s, for example, we can say, Mike Harris was in an premier Ontario and he said, not my problem, not my circus, not my monkeys. And I'm going to do what suits the corporate world best. And I'm going to take away rent control and all yada, yada, yada. And it's, pro it's premiers and leaders like him that have come and gone, but they, they've left such a legacy of damage in their, in their wake. That now we're catching up. Now, now we're having to send in the staff and unclutter the hoarder house that has become the shit show. They're the exact reason well, why see, we need a federal program. See, and the, the the problem is when you take a look at the entire provincial infrastructure with all these programs they've created, they're haphazardly created, and that's mm -hmm. the worst part. You know, it's like from WCB for when you're injured to welfare, to disability, to child benefits, to student loans, you know, the list just keeps going on. Even public education is failing. You know, we've got kids that can't read, you know, it, it, the situation is getting worse. And this is why to me, when I looked at the whole idea where I was coming from, is my idea was to give people enough money so that they, if they want to send their kids to private school, they could do that. Mm -hmm. Right. If the public system was going to fail, because Everyone has should have the right for, with their tax dollars to send these kids to wherever. And I believe in school choice as well. So if they want to send to public school, that money that they would be paying, you know, would go to public school. Either way, it would just be a choice of location, right? And this is where with all of these benefits put together and you put things into perspective, then you have the ability to go and actually get things done. The problem is, is everyone wants to go and put needles into the pie and sit here and think that we can go and add more to it. And, well, we need this amount of, we need more of this, and we need more of that, we need more administration. No. I mean, the, my problem is, is the amount of administration has gotten to the point 
where it's inverse for the amount of money it's costing to go and provide the benefits, the cost of administration is costing more than the benefits in many cases, right? And to, this is the real problem and the crux of it. And unfortunately, people's jobs will be lost if a federal UABI or UBI or GLBI comes in. Unfortunately, this is just going to be the way it is. Reality. You know, well, I mean, we're jobs talking. Are, jobs are getting uh, replaced anyway when, when it comes to AI. How long before a social worker is no longer? How long before we get to a point where, let's say, ODSP stands this test of time and it's around for another 10 years or PWD or whatever, some provincial? It's going to get to the point where we're not even going to have a worker anymore. We're going to have well, a, a, a chat bot. <laughs> well, exactly. Right. We already I mean, they've, they've, already, they've already stepped into that with, uh, with, in Ontario with uh, my benefits. This, you have a minimum. You're, yeah, like, go you're more likely part. to log into my benefit yeah. and leave your, your worker a message than you are to walk into the ODSP office. How long before there's no ODSP office? It's just a bunch of people working remotely. Yeah. My buddy makes $90,000. He sits there and he does uh, tech support on a Linux platform for a company that that doesn't even have a, a, a brick and mortar office. Mm-hmm. Well, all I mean, of them, all his whole company is 185,000 people and they all work from home. There's yeah, but, no corporate office. Well, you but know how much have, money the corporation have, is saving? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you have any idea how much money they're saving? You know, they've, <laughs> you know, people don't realize this work at home thing is, a good, you know, well, it's a good idea. There are downsides and effects. And right now, there is a glutton of commercial real estate that is just sitting here empty, which, in my opinion, for some of these commercial skyscrapers that we have, they should just be gutted and refitted for apartments. Absolutely. 100%. Right? That would be the fastest way to solve this this housing crisis. What we'll do is um, we're just going to do some ending comments uh, just quickly, uh, and then we'll end the segment. I think we might do a special broadcast if Neil's up for it or you guys are up for it uh, for tomorrow, um, just so we can make up a little bit of time from today's episode, if we're all for that. Uh, Works for me. It, de- it depends. Cause um, be... if, if we want to make it maybe a little bit earlier than, than today's. Yeah, I won't be until 4 p.m. because I've got a... Uh... I got an ODSP office meeting. 4 p.m. Your, your time. That's uh, 1 o'clock our time. It's, it's hard for me because my wife comes home earlier on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So uh, it does make it hard for me to swing it. Uh, but we can we can talk off air. and, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can figure that something out. Something yeah. Else, yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, just over to Dan. And um, yeah, we, we can we can figure something out uh, for sure. Uh, so Dan... Um, I want to. I want to thank. I want to thank you, well, each and every one of you, for joining in today. Um, but I'm just going to hand over to Dan first. Any kind of final comments for today's segment? Uh, then quickly over to you, MJ. Then Dan. Then over to you, Ellen. And then to you, Neil. And then myself. Yeah, just very quickly, so I can yield my time to uh, yep. other folks. Uh, yeah, uh, t- 
Thanks for having us here. Uh, again, it's, none of this is your issue. And to anybody that this uh, either bothered or offended or anything, like, I'm sorry, right? Uh, unfortunately, this is my life. This is what I go through every single fucking day, right? And it's pretty sad. But I agree with MJ where he says we have these discussions. Like we said, we've had multiple ones before. And if I've had nothing to say, I've kept my mouth shut, right? Because I'm learning. I'm listening. That's how you make it through the world and learn things, right? Uh, so again, anybody that's offended or bothered, sorry, but yeah, I, like if you guys want to have these discussions anytime, uh, I'm, I'm agreeable to whatever you guys decide here, but uh, just uh, for the audience out there, just, you know, be informed, uh, know that you do have rights and know that there are differences of opinions, but there's a middle ground somewhere where we can all affect positive change that will be beneficial for all of us. So thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, Dan. As always, you know, I'll keep you informed and we'll talk off air on, um, we'll, we'll arrange another um, session for sure. Um, yeah. Okay, over to you, uh, MJ. And then over to, quickly over to you, Ellen, and then then over to Neil, and then myself, and then, and then we'll be like, Schneider until next time. Okay, well, I'm going to just go and just have a little fun with this on the closing here. I mean, I'm more or less a libertarian when it comes to political points of views. I support a small government. I support an efficient government. This is why I support the idea of universally available basic income. Is take it or leave it. You flip the switch on or off. That's it. No problems. Why do we need people to go and tell us what we need and don't need in our lives? If we're going to be paying taxes then we should have the ability to get emergency support if we truly need it without having to go through being told that we're just not good enough. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks, MJ. Actually, then over to Ellen, then actually, then then Joseph, and then, sorry, sorry about that. No, this is like brain fog. Uh, then, uh, then, then over to Neil, then Emmy, then, yeah. So, Ellen, you're next. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to echo what MJ said, and I think that we're it's not if there's a UBI or whatever they call it, but it's a when thing. And it'll be interesting to see uh, whether the liberals want to make this a legacy thing um, or not, um, or if they'll do it just to stick it to the conservatives. Who knows? So we'll have to see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ellen. Joseph. Calling on Joseph. Joseph. London calling. Joseph. Oh. oh well, maybe he's just gone to the fridge. Oh, he might have gone to the fridge. <laughs> I've already put away from my fridge. It, it, I, I, I just wanted to say again, <laughs> as as your producer, we've done five of these now, and um, you know, I'm impressed you know how well everybody gets along considering like i said everybody's very strong advocates for everybody's very strongly outspoken yep. and yet we've 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 managed always usually not to interrupt each other i'm 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 always the biggest call i i feel like i'm always the biggest culprit because i'm always interrupting you brent all the time <laughs> yeah but, but for some reason you you never you never give me a hard time for it but uh you know i i just think we we do a, a very good job considering how how strongly opinionated everybody here is always on the call 
we always do a really good job of, of staying respectful and, and giving each other time and space to get our points out. So, uh, you know, well, from a, from a producing point of view, I like that impresses me a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, while well, I wait for, yeah, no, go ahead. I kind of interject uh, with your comment uh, on that, Neil, and then over to Joseph and then I'll conclude. Um, yeah. You know, and then that's one thing I've learned when I used to do the Twitter space, right. It was like listening very carefully of what people are saying and, and uh, it was like so many times like I'd have a guest on and then I would have to comment. And then, of course, it was like, OK, when do I when can I comment? When can I jump in and actually say my comment without being interrupting the, you know, the guest? Because as we know, I mean, the guest is always the number one. Right. <clears throat> and and it's so true. Um, and it's just finding that time of interjecting of you're throwing your comment in there without cutting the other person off and, and being respectful or not. And, and, uh, and it's, it's a learning curve for me, like it's uh, finding out and I'm learning from everybody else. And I mean, I find there's just no right or wrong way. It's so hard to, when you're having a group discussion of trying to jump in and somebody's talking, say Alan's talking or I'm talking to us and, and Alan is, is saying something, I'm going, ah, oh, hang on, I don't want to cut him off or, and, but one thing I have learned though, with, with people in general is sometimes people like, they'll have like something that's on their mind and if they don't say it, they're going to forget where they, where they were at. And, um, and that's one thing that's so true, right? It's learning curves from people. And well, that happens to me all the time. I and I'm sure everybody here on the call, the reason why we sometimes interrupt is that if we didn't interrupt, then the point's already gone. Like you've already gone to another Trains topic left. already. Yeah, so, the left yeah. already left so, so if, if there is situations where we do interrupt each other, that's why, so that we can stay on topic and it's a, it's a continual thread and it makes sense. Like it, it doesn't make yeah. sense if I, if I just let you talk and I let my point go or whatever. And then it's like, Oh, like three yeah. thoughts ago or five thoughts ago, I had a point and then, then it does, there's no continue, there's no continuity anymore right so right it's, it's like when i talk about say i talk about transportation like i'll kind of rant a little bit and then i'll like and then i'll leave it because it's like if i kind of say a little bit and like someone goes to somebody else and i continue on so i'll say well wait a minute where did i leave off oh that's what he was talking about then they lose that that kind of that thread and yeah so anyway over Whoa. to you, uh joseph you guys, look, I want to apologize for ranting and raving and being mad at the end there. And I, admittingly, I think after I spoke, I kind of walked away for a few minutes. So I didn't hear much of anybody else afterwards. And I apologize. I was very, very upset. Um, this is a big thing for me because this is not the first time that this has happened and interrupted your show. Right. And you have a point. Sometimes people like myself, we have a rebuttal to something that is being said in the room and we want to be able to say it so that way it can become part of that conversation. Mm. I, I can't remember exactly what she was saying, but she said something and it was wrong and I was trying to get in there and say, no, 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 it's this. Professor Zhao said this, right, in regards to the Indigenous community, and she just went really upset and spoke over me and then went straight to her point, mm. which was about, I believe it was about how everybody speaks about just Ontario. And it is a little offensive because Ontario is a very large province. 
We have the majority of people who are on social assistance in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, it, Captain... I don't know what this, this, the statistics are of each province because it is very difficult to find them. And for me on, in Ontario, on purpose, I'm sure. I, I spend weeks upon weeks of refreshing screens and looking and waiting for just one set of demographics. And yes, it is the ODSP because ODSP represents over half a million people. Yep. That's not a joke. Yeah, it's quite a few people as for darn sure. And what Doug Ford does to the disabled people of Ontario reflects how other governments do it upon others as well. Ontario leads an example for other provinces in this country. And if we don't hold Ontario accountable, then what is the point of even holding another province accountable that is nowhere near the amount of spending that Ontario does? Mm-hmm. Or hoarding. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you said, Alan, because you know <laughs> what? It, the push comes to shove. It doesn't take much to realize that when you look at the math of the Ontario government and their budgets, they tell you how much the social assistance is in year A, and in year B, it goes up. But meanwhile, the caseloads could even go down, or all their expenses could go down, or they froze rates so it actually should go down. But does it? No. Mm-hmm. Just, I think they're inherently more expensive. Meanwhile, yeah. underground garages are being quietly talked about, while spas are being built by a company that doesn't even come in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I, it's, it's, I feel like Ontario is seriously run by a mob. I really do. I hate to. Well, it's not run it's, by the mob. It's run by. Uh, the consensus that the taxpayer is the right one mm-hmm. to, to suit their budget. That just because the person pays the bills, they're the one that runs the show. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the case because guess what? Statistically, Ontarians will spend more time on assistance in government programs than they will working. Wow. It's crazy. You spend hey? the first 18 years of your life on baby bonus if your parents don't make enough. So there's 18 yeah. years right there. When you retire over 65, how, what are you going to spend? 20, 30 years on government assistance there? Mm-hmm. That's over uh, half your lifetime. All yeah. I know is that I've heard a lot of people say this, and it's not just me, so I'm just guessing, I'm echoing it, but they're saying that this is the most corrupt government that we've ever had in Canadian history in one province. <laughs> It feels like it. If you yeah. take the green belt into effect and, and then all the shenanigans wrapped around that and the fact that all the health care is being privatized. Oh, well, I guess the Ontario health care system is failing, so we'll just make it for profit so people can have a choice. Like, it's mm-hmm. just being... Yeah, Joseph, I'm going to send you some, info, <laughs> um, some stat info of um, an article. You'll find it interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, anyway, I'm going to pass. You're, you're going to give Joseph some numbers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the roles the, uh, are reversed there. Oh, that's new. 
the numbers got. Uh, mm. It was just from the TIE that came out with a, um, a report, but it shows you some um, some uh, social assistance numbers and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know how up to date that is, but I'm pretty sure it's probably uh, misconstrued a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, it gives you a pretty You're good You're not feature. talking about the, uh, the WIC report, are you? Because I've already uh, seen that. Yeah, I Welfare don't. in Canada by Natri? No, no, there was just a, um, uh, which what was that, sorry? Tai. The Tai, yeah. I'm going to send it over um, to you. Um, yeah. Well, thank um, I just want to well, thank punch out though. Yeah, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Um, definitely stay tuned for the next round round table. <laughs> you're, gonna say, you're gonna say round roundhouse. I say this is a roundhouse, all right. This is a roundhouse. Yeah. Let's, roundhouse. Let's, well, let's punch each other out. Well, this is a roundhouse. It might be roundhouse if, if Jennifer and I both land up in the stream again. <laughs> well, well, the well all, all I know is I, I feel like a Roman. <laughs> I feel well, like I mean the roundhouse. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I, do. I, I get she is a great advocate and God yeah. bless her heart. She is a great yeah. advocate. All but right. sometimes it's almost like she controls the conversation. Are we, are we still are we we No, we're still on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, and, I mean, and that's what hurts. That's what hurts though. Is yeah. that it, it, it sometimes it sometimes she can come across off as you cannot be that most important part of that conversation. And we're trying to express how we feel as well. And it, it, it it's under, undeniably frustrating mm -hmm. when you sincerely just want to give a quick point, but then you spend in 20 minutes arguing over just coming into the conversation. Right. And I yeah. apologize, folks. I am an interrupting person. I most definitely am. You all have experienced that consistently over the times. Remember, <laughs> remember that time that you and I did a show together with Joseph? I, that was that was yeah. fun. I, <laughs> that was fun. I remember I remember the time uh and Neil would tell me, um, yeah, so uh, I did the show with Joseph and ah friend. And I I, I never knew how to politely interrupt because it was I like said, ah. I said, did you did you get a word in edgewise and, <laughs> it was hard it was it was hard. a good show though it was a good show but i said, yeah, I, go, I, said I, I i am a bit of a big mouth <laughs> but i told him i said and neil i said i go when i did the old when i did the open mics i said you can imagine oh my god how did you do that i go it was it was interesting <laughs> yeah. but but anyway um it was it's always awesome having you know you on too joseph and you know we're gonna have you as a separate segment one day and um yeah she you're up on thursday uh alan uh this thursday oh. i'll yeah, have boy. to get my agent back to you no I'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'll bring up i'll bring up my uh camera gear and we'll we'll compare camera gear, gear together last thursday um and um i actually had changed it because i was actually going to go to the hospital to go and visit um tom's um his uh his lovely lovely person um the love of his life and um to go and do a hospital visit and when i now when i found out after um i it was already too late to change that back of the um scheduled cancellation so that was my plan on that. So yeah, um, but I'm looking forward to having you on um, on Thursday 
And definitely oh, yeah. everybody else who wants to join in um, onto the show, uh, definitely reach out. Um, and and, and the, basically the round, I'll call it the roundhouse roundtable, right? <laughs> the roundhouse roundtable. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode on that one. It'll be coming up soon. Yes, yeah, I, I, I think I'm just going to get like a, Ronan, a Ronan signal yeah. tattoo. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Bye, everyone. No master. Yeah. I'm <laughs> Then, of course, Siri says, I didn't understand that. Can you please say that one again? <laughs> Is it? It's kind of interesting how, yeah. uh, if you look at Thanks the history of Ronan. Bye, Ron. Just... Thanks. And we're out.